You're listening to the Habitology podcast with Melanie White and today I'm going to talk about what to stop doing and what to start doing in 2023. This episode is for you if you have this nagging sense that there are things that you should stop doing and things that you should start doing in your business. Maybe your business is feeling like a grind sometimes. It's sapping your energy and your creativity. So if any of this resonates with you then it's probably a good time for you to create your business plan for 2023, to work the kinks out and to start getting what you want in your business and working with more ease and flow. That's what I'm here to help you do. And I'm going to share my four-step process to developing a 2023 business plan. So by the end of this episode, you'll understand the two steps that you need to follow to get clarity We'll talk about how to map out your business habits for next year and so you'll know exactly what to do there and you'll also be able to define some achievable outcome goals that you feel really good about. And for me, it's the time of year that I start to think about the year ahead. I actually start thinking about the year ahead in about September and I start decluttering things and preparing to clear some space for an easy runway to the end of year. And then around this time, I start thinking about my plans for my business, for what I will stop and what I will start. And so I figured that for you, it might be helpful to do that sort of work too. And if you're wondering what sort of goals to set, I thought I could give you some examples from my own business, some of the things that I'm going to do. And hopefully by sharing my process you'll be able to get clear on not just how to create a plan, but how to make an exciting plan to get you to where you want to be. So the first step in figuring out what to stop doing and what to start doing, the first step in creating your plan is to reflect on the past 12 months. Think about how the last year went for you and what you'd like to do more of and less of. I'll give you some examples. When I start this process, I think about what I really love doing, but also why I loved doing that. I think about which strengths I used. I sit with the feeling of my favorite types of work, and I think about all of the types of work I'm doing that create those feelings. I think about the things that I've achieved and what I had to do to get there and whether it was worth it or not from an energetic point of view, from a financial point of view. This year, what I loved doing was strategic thinking work that would help to initiate projects and businesses and business ideas. And what I loved about that is that it taps into my strengths of creativity, innovation, problem solving and brainstorming. And I had a few opportunities to do that type of work this year and I really just embraced it wholeheartedly. And it was challenging at times, but I, I loved the process because I didn't have to drill into the detail. And that then leads me into thinking about, well, what drained my energy and what dragged me down this year? What was awful or difficult? One thing I found really draining was doing detailed, intricate work, anything with too much logistics in it, anything that required a lot of deep research. While I love learning, diving into the minutiae of a subject isn't really where I'm at right now. And so I sat with that for a moment and wondered, well, why don't I like doing that work? And I think it's because it creates a 
a lot of anxiety and stress and that dampened my creative thinking. So for me, I've realised that anything with too many detailed moving parts creates a sense of anxiousness that I might have forgotten something or not done something properly or missed something. And I do like some types of detailed work, like I really like Excel spreadsheets and financials and planning like that, but there aren't many things that I like detail, uh, many types of work that involve detail that I like, I should say. So that was an interesting reflection for me. And then thirdly, I looked at where I earned money and spent time. And I like to spreadsheet this. So I work out, I look at my calendar and I document all the types of work that I did, or I look at my zero accounting package and say, how many individual coaching sessions did I do? How much teaching did I do? How much volunteer work did I do? And funnily enough, the work that I love to do the most takes the least amount of time and earns me the most money. And the work that I tend to dislike the most takes more time and earns me less money, probably because I have to do the grind to complete it and I want to check that it's done properly. So that was useful for me to do and to see how I've changed and grown over the last few years because there are some detailed types of work that I've actually managed to get rid of to delegate or to stop doing because I realised it wasn't, the return on investment wasn't worth it for me. So I did that again this year. And then finally, I reflected on my most important achievement of the past year. And I think this is really important to do because it shows you what your toil created. It shows you what you're most proud of. It shows you about your future direction potentially. And it, and it gets you thinking about the bigger picture. If you don't look at the bigger picture, then you might end up just planning another year of doing all of the same things in, unintentionally rather than getting clear on your overall direction. So I think that exercise is really helpful. My greatest achievement this year was fulfilling four important professional roles, one of which is unpaid. And even though the juggle was hard at times, it did give me the bigger picture view and understanding of some important macro trends and I gained knowledge in two areas. So the two areas were menopause and mental health. And the three bigger macro trends I could see was the emergence of the psychosocial risk legislation that's being rolled out through all of the states, the need and the demand for supporting and recognising women at work and improving mental health at work. So that was useful for me to reflect on the projects I'd done and what some of the emerging trends are in my industry. And with this knowledge, I have a good idea of which business ideas are likely to succeed next year. And that's for myself personally, but also for my clients who are in business, where the focus and the money will be in the broader economy and what my best opportunities are and for those around me. So those insights allow me to set some tangible and meaningful goals to leverage those opportunities. Now, I'm going to flip it over to you for a moment and ask you these questions, and you might like to write your own notes to these. What did you love doing in the past year and why did you love it? And then what did you dislike doing or what drained your energy in the past year and why was that? And I think one important point on this is that sometimes it's not the work that drains you, it's the people that you're working with or for. So please take that into consideration or it's not the work that you love, it's the people you were around. So please consider that 
next level as well when you answer those questions for yourself. And then for every type of work that you got paid for last year or this year, sorry, what was the best return on investment for you in terms of time and money? Where do you feel your effort was rewarded appropriately and paid off for you and others? And then what was the most important outcome that you achieved this year? Answering those four questions should give you a good summary of what happened in the past year, what worked and what didn't, and you should be able to document that in less than a page or more if you want to. So once you have those insights, the next step is to take that a bit deeper and peel off another layer and ask, well, what did you learn about yourself this year? When you reflect on that, you potentially see the work that you need to do to improve the work that you want to do in future, the obstacles that you might need to face and the skills and strengths you have that you can leverage or maybe the network that you can leverage. I learned lots of things about myself this year and I'll share a few of them just to get you thinking. Firstly, I've learned that I'm very persistent and I can work hard to get things done even when life's busy and timelines are tight. I can really dig deep and produce a lot of work. I've also realised that I'm a sore loser. I hate being wrong. I hate making mistakes. I hate it when things don't work. And that has a huge emotional and energetic cost for me. I've also noticed that I prepare to fly solo and do things on my own and create my own ideas. I prefer to avoid groups, but I do enjoy collaboration if it's a bit hands-off and not too intimate or intense. And I've always known this at some level, but I've really experienced it and felt it this year. I think with everyone coming out of lockdown and reconnecting, it got me thinking about how I like to engage with people. My greatest strengths are creative brainstorming at a strategic business level and with clients. And the greatest value I offer is helping to summarize, simplify and create processes to get things done once you've seen the bigger picture. And when I do these things, I'm truly in flow. Finally, I've figured out that I can do about 10 coaching sessions or meetings a week before I start to feel overwhelmed or pressured or when I lose my focus or I lose my sense of presence. It's a bit like when you do exercise, you realize at some point that your core stops working and your lower back and your legs kick in. It's a bit like that. I realize that I can coach multiple sessions or have multiple meetings in a week, but at more than 10, I'm not at my best. So these are some examples of the things I've learned about myself this year and I reflect, invite you to reflect on your year. How were you operating when you were at your best? What were your greatest strengths and moments of flow? And in which situations were you thriving this year? Once you've written some notes and got some clarity on those two steps, then you can consolidate that and then go to step three, which is to map out your new business habits for 2023. So it's one thing thinking about the past, and it's great to evaluate the past, but it's time to use that information to look ahead with clarity and map out some new habits in your business for next year. In other words, it's time to define what you want to keep doing, stop doing, or start doing next year. Some people like to start with setting a bigger vision or some outcome goals first, and you can certainly do that. But to me, it makes much more sense to 
find my flow in the process, figure out how I like to work and then decide what I will create by working that way. I think the risk is if you go straight to outcomes that you want and then how to get there, you might be trying to pull yourself back in a way of working that doesn't suit you to achieve the goals. So what I've learned in my first two steps that what's important for me is to work strategically, to simplify things and to scale or leverage. And that means I can earn comfortably and remain in flow, not be having too many contact hours. And then I can be at my best. And that's how I'm going to work this year. So knowing that there are some things that I'll need to do differently. So firstly, knowing that I like, uh, sorry, I dislike some types of detailed work, I need to evaluate which detailed tasks I do each week and decide what I can delegate or stop doing and what I might do differently. And a really easy one for me is checking email once a day instead of three or four times a day. That takes the pressure off and it's less detailed because I tend to want to respond to emails when I get them and then I end up doing a lot of detailed thinking work to reply. So once a day email for me is a good example of less detail. Knowing how I feel about being in groups, I'm going to review the group work that I have tentatively planned for next year and decide what I will commit to and how I'm going to show up. That's both professionally and personally. I've been invited to a few things in my local area and I haven't wanted to go and not really thought about why and I just thought actually I don't want to do those things in groups. <laughs> there are some things I love to do in groups. For example, I'm playing violin in an amateur orchestra, which is great. I went to a yoga class this morning with Priscilla Hensler in Tomekin. Shout out to Priscilla. What an amazing class. But there are other things I don't want to do in groups. So I'm just going to sit down and look at my group work for the, for the next year and say, what am I going to keep and what am I going to decline? Next, based on what I've learned this year in terms of my knowledge that I've gained and the market trends, I'm going to decide which areas I want to focus on in 2023. And I've pretty much made that decision, but it's going to help me just get clarity on a few things that I'm doing. As a result of those things, I'm going to rewrite my vision, mission, value proposition and elevator pitch. So I'm really clear on what my focus is and how I work with people and how I give them value. So you'll notice that I haven't talked about that until I'm really clear on myself, on who I am and what I stand for and how I'm going to operate in the world. Then I'm ready to create those other parts of my business that are outward facing that tell people what I do. So I'm also going to ask my virtual assistant to update my online platforms to reflect the updates in my elevator pitch. Now, I mentioned earlier that I'm a sore loser, and so to become a better loser, I'm going to start journaling about the challenging situations where I lose or fail. So instead of feeling frustrated or angry, I can change my perspective and rewire my beliefs about what failure is and how I can benefit from it. To manage the volume of appointments, I'm going to go into my booking calendar and make sure I've got a maximum of 12 meetings or coaching sessions per week. And that should be achievable when I make all of the other changes I've decided on. Also to manage my volume of appointments, I'm going to continue my invitation only one-to-one -one business coaching. I did this this year and it worked really well. I picked 
a few clients and invited them to work with me for a four or five month block for specific objection ob objectives that they define. And I'm going to put that out and define my availability for those. So they're locked in as a preference as one of those or a few of those appointments each week. So that's a bit of an overview of what my year ahead looks like. And my questions to you are, what does your next stage of planning look like? Based on what you've reflected on this year, what would you decide to stop doing or delegate? How will you choose to work? For example, will you be doing more networking and more group work or more one-to-one, -one, more strategic, more detailed, or any other thing? What, what will you do for work? Maybe you decide you don't want to work at home and you're going to spend a day in a cafe each week. Have a think about how you'd like to be working next year. And then with all of those things, how might your weekly schedule change and how might you maintain boundaries around that? That's an important consideration. These are boundaries with other people, but also with yourself. For example, if you're like me and you know that working past 5 p.m. means you probably won't sleep, then what will you do to stop work at 5 p.m. or any other time? And then how do all of those changes affect your vision and value proposition? Do you need to review them and update them? So those are some questions to get you thinking about what business habits you'll continue, stop or maintain. And once you're clear on that, then it's time to set some achievable outcome goals for 2023. And these are the goals that you're going to be realistically able to achieve with a new way of working. I personally feel that it's important to keep the goals fairly simple and fairly few so that you can do a few things really well. And as Robert Kiyosaki says, the word focus stands for follow one course until successful. And it makes total sense to me. I know that my outcome goals for next year are going to be achieved if I do all of the things that I've mentioned previously. And so my goals are as follows. For my business, my goals are to be working 20 hours per week, Tuesday to Thursday, to earn my target income. In my business, I'll be helping my VA to earn a comfortable living, doing the tasks that I dislike, that she is good at. And you might want to listen to my previous episode about how to choose a good business coach this also extends to how, to how to choose a good virtual assistant. Make sure that they have strengths and skills in the things that you don't like or aren't so good at. Also, I will be working collaboratively with intelligent, energised people for a common purpose. And that's going to be my litmus test for every group that I consider working with. And finally, in my business, I'll be supporting 100,000 professional women to start businesses or thrive at work through appropriate education, coaching, allied health services and resources. And that's part of the collaborations I'm looking at. In the areas of coach training and advocacy for our industry, I'll be teaching 2,000 health and wellness coaches to create sustainable businesses that they love by doing business in their unique way, leveraging the coaching methodology. I'll also be advocating through HACANSA, our industry association, for appropriate standards, definitions and consistency in our industry and promoting the benefit and quality of what we do as professionals. Although it's unpaid, that work that I do as part of HACANSA and the work that HACANSA does as a whole is really incredibly important. In my personal life, I'm going to be tackling one hard thing each quarter. 
focusing on creating a consistent practice in a creative pursuit and reframing my negative thoughts. I'll be exercising daily in nature to give my brain a break and recharge. And I don't have any boundaries on what exercise can look at in nature either. It could be five minutes of walking or a workout or surfing or any other thing I choose to do. Also in my personal life, I'm going to be completing 20 hours of personal or professional development, including working with my own coach each quarter so that I can have a positive mindset. This is my plan and now it's over to you. What are the outcomes that you want to achieve next year in your business? What are the impacts you want to make in the world? And what will you do in your personal life to grow and evolve, to show up better and function at your best? I look forward to seeing what you create with intention and purpose in 2023. So to wrap up today, sometimes business feels like a grant. Sometimes you have the nagging sense that things need to change. And now we've talked through a four-step process to start getting what you want with more ease and flow. And those steps are reflect on your highlights and lowlights of the past 12 months. Reflect on what you've learned about yourself. Map out your business habits for next year, what you'll stop doing, keep doing and start doing and define your achievable outcome goals. I really appreciate you being here and listening. I hope you have a fantastic week and I hope you feel totally inspired and look forward to 2023. Thanks for being here and see you next time.